The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us today on Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. Today, our special guest is Lucas Homan from Germany. Lucas, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, what's up? I'm really happy to be here. Dude, this, this is awesome. Well, first, let me explain how we met. Uh, you are the host of the Creative Cast. Uh, I found you, I forget what the platform is, uh, the Audrey. Oh, really? uh, yeah, but it's awesome. So I was looking for individuals that I could go on their podcast, learn from them, share with them, but especially someone that's from Germany, because uh, I'm trying to break into the market. Um, I want to get a better feel for uh, people from Germany, you know, because I think a lot of people in the U.S. have a feeling that, you know, Germans are just all strict and no fun. And um, but that hasn't been an experience so far. Uh, but uh, so tell me a little bit about yourself, um, a little bit about the podcast and, and what else you do. Uh, I'd love to hear just about who you are. Yeah, uh, I'd love to uh, share that with you. Well, basically, well, I'm, I come from Spain, so I'm more Spanish than anything else. But I do have um, some uh, German roots um, through my parents. Um, my, my father's from Berlin, you know, and stuff like that. So I, I grew up uh, bilingual, actually, like Spanish-German. So that kind of gave me um, the possibility and, or easy access to actually at some point move to Germany and work here and without having to go through the start the struggle of learning the language which now, how, how long have you been in germany how long have you been li living there uh right now literally not that long um i haven't I haven't uh, reached the year yet okay so about it almost a year now um the thing is I, i've i've grown up grew up in in spain and i've studied there i've studied photography so more a photographer than anything else and uh after i finished my my degree i just you know applied for uh, a bunch of jobs around the world and germany just happened to to be the place that that wanted me the most and i i found um like a um as a, as a printing um expert in a sense here in germany so um i'm, I'm working in the art print industry like okay. fine art print um so i work my prints for um larger artists that produce their, their their art with us and you know sell it to the customers that's nice now how how has the transition been it's it's this you probably picked a very strange time to make a big move like that um but how's how's the transition been how do you like germany compared to spain uh man i love spain man and the weather there is amazing and there's just nothing com to compare that to here in germany and i do miss that a lot but um i was forced not gonna lie to you um to move um to a more industrialized country like germany uh, mm. because there is um so much more of a market for um, young people like me that you know have studied degrees that are more artsy 
Mm-hmm. Um, then in Spain, Spain is really, really hard. Normally you have to uh, go for maybe a, a paid master degree or something. That's quite expensive mm-hmm. in order to actually get uh, in, you know, get a job somewhere. Oh, okay. And um, here in Germany, it's it's much easier if you happen to have uh, the ability to speak the language. So I I, I felt I I I knew I had to leave the country, go abroad, uh, whether it's uh, some English speaking country or you know Germany, because there is just a lot of more um, demand there mm-hmm. for people like me. That's that's the main reason. But yeah, the timing was a bit off i'm not gonna lie because it was in the middle of the pandemic and you know it was last summer and mm-hmm. um i am still surprised that i managed to do that because uh, all the odds stood against me and it wasn't it, like i was very lucky to to actually find something that's awesome i'm glad i'm glad it's working out now when did you start the podcast was that after the transition so how long have you been doing the podcast and uh why have you been doing the podcast yeah so um i've done my uh, it has been a long process until i actually managed to start it i started this year in uh, i think by the end of february i started so it's it's quite young Mm -hmm. and i've been doing it for a few months now but I, I feel like the the, the, the process um, from having the idea or um, the wish to start one to actually um, making the step and producing your first episode, uh, it took me uh, about two years actually to do that, <laughs> just that before I actually started. Like it took me a long time to get in the right mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't necessarily... Uh, that much of a work problem, but of a, do I really want to do this? And, uh, you know, overcoming insecurities problem. Right. So that took me a better part of a year to figure that out for myself, um, how I want to do it. And if, and really like, if I want to do like, do I have the space for it? Um, and um, how serious I want to approach it. Like, is this like just a thing? I do for a month and then I realize, oh no, I don't like it and I stop again. Or do I want to make it, um, you know, uh, a years and years um, project, you know, a long-term one. So once I was completely sure that I want to do it because, well, it didn't, I couldn't think of anything else really. <laughs> like I was mm-hmm. like, podcast, podcast, podcast. I was listening to all these different podcasts like the Joe Rogan Experience, which is, you know, the f- most famous one. And it just uh, got me more excited and it just, mm, you know, showed me how I really uh, want to do the same thing and get into, you know, that, that world, right? So that was step one, pretty much overcoming my own insecurities. And then step two, which was, um, I would say probably another year, is figuring out all the details and the plan, like, where I'm going to do it and do I have the space in my apartment to it or do I want to do it outside maybe I want to rent some place or do I have the equipment I have to buy the equipment which equipment is best mm-hmm. uh, do I have the budget and you know and balancing all that out and then once I had all of that 
Um, it was pretty much fine tuning and getting ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I really did that once I moved here. I looked for a flat that would allow me and give me the space to do it. And actually, sometimes I have you know people invited over that in person. Sometimes I have it via Zoom. But if they actually come personally, you know, I want them to feel comfortable. You know, having a second chair and you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the drinks and you know have the space and have it nice and um, I also have to think about the lighting and how it's going to look is it going to be in video only audio so there are a ton of questions you have to ask yourself mm-hmm. um, to do this if you want to make it you know as serious as you can and there's there's a big big learning cor- curve as well um, as um, I had to teach everything myself, which is pretty easy nowadays. Um, just Googling pretty much anything, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm very, um, uh, well, grateful for. I don't have to buy a book or I don't have to buy a course or know someone that knows everything already. So I just watched a ton of videos and read some blogs and I had to teach myself, you know, how does podcast even work? How, where does it stream? Where does it live? How do I um, distribute it to all these different platforms like Spotify and iTunes and whatnot? And um, that's the podcast side of it. But the, on the other side, you have to also, if you do video, you have to, um, you know, uh, edit that video. So you need to mm-hmm. do a video software program. You need um, like something like Premiere Pro. I'd use Adobe. Uh, you need Photoshop for the thumbnails. You need um, an audio program like Audition for treating the the audio. So all of that was like quite new to me. Like I knew Photoshop because I studied photography, so I was quite familiar with that. But everything else was quite like quite the hill to overcome. But um, I don't know. I've I've fun learning all of that, so it wasn't too hard. And um, I really enjoy the moment after I surpass that. Once I know everything, it's like a lot of fun because you just have to repeat it and you get better and better. So I really right. enjoy that part as well. Now, are you, do you have perfectionist uh, tendencies? Are you kind of a perfectionist? <sighs> I do sometimes, yeah. How did you know <laughs> no, good? it's not so good. <laughs> I, shouldn't, well, I shouldn't be too perfect. I shouldn't try to be too perfect. But uh, it, it depends on the area, I would say. Mm-hmm. There are some aspects that I do, um, well, I do care a lot about. So I, 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 I think they should be as good as they, as they should be. For example, mm-hmm. I don't know, the thumbnails, the photos I take. Um, the video should be good, you know, the composition, little details. Like the audio should be nice and it shouldn't like, you know, make you ear yeah. bleed. So those are key key aspects that I spend a lot of time in and effort mm-hmm. planning. So um, I, I, I make so I'm very sure they're gonna turn out with a high quality. Mm-hmm. But then then there are other aspects that I I let myself be a bit more loose on. Mm-hmm. For example, um, when it comes to the actual interview or well i do interviews but i like to call them more like conversations right because i i like to be part of the conversation not only ask questions i like to share information 
not only because it makes the whole conversation more interesting, but because it also opens up the other person as well because they feel like they're getting some input as well, not only getting, mm -hmm. also taking from me. So there I, I, I tend to be more relaxed. I just go with the flow and I don't have, I don't have, like, I mean, you have been on my show already and we have some bullet points which help both of us to keep a bit more focused and know what's about. Mm -hmm. But in the interview, um, I don't mind to derail and go where it's interesting in that moment. Yeah, no, and dude, that was, thank you for that, uh, that opportunity for that conversation because, man, that was so much fun. I just felt so good afterwards. It was cool being able to connect with someone, not only to say whatever I want to say, but just to connect with you through that conversation. It wasn't like you were just someone that was interviewing me. Like we, we, we got to talk, we got to know each other a little bit and that was, that was pretty cool. So, uh, no, thank you for that. That was, that was a lot of fun. Um, now let's go back to why you chose to get a degree in art, something artistic. Like when did you know that you wanted to be a photographer if you did? Um, and was there a hesitation thinking like, Am I going to be able to make money? Am I going to be able to make this into a career? Uh, you know, how did your your parents feel about it? Um, so when did you kind of start that path towards something creative? Yeah, I, I do appreciate that question because it it do be one of those. Well, definitely it was for me, like one of the hardest decisions I had to make probably in my life. And because I, I didn't drop out of high school and went, oh, I want to do photography. I mean, it can be like that, but it, it was my case. I, I went to uni and started actually physics for two years. Wow. Uh, and in Granada, which is in the south of Spain, where I grew up. And um, I did my, my, second, my second year, I did abroad. I did Erasmus, which is a European program to study abroad. And I, I spent that second year in Berlin studying there physics, but in a different university. Um, and that decision to, to make that move uh, was so crucial because in that year, um, my interest for physics exponentially declined and my interest for photography did just the opposite. Right? And it happened naturally. It wasn't like a conscious decision where I went... Um, I'm a, oh my god! Um, it, physics might not, and it's it doesn't it doesn't tickle me just as much as before, and I need something else. It wasn't like that. It was more like uh, someday, I, for no reason, I took my phone and I just snapped some pictures of whatever I don't know. It was a flower or some some cityscape, right? And. For some reason, that that moment just tackled me really hard, and at, uh, I don't know, it just gave me the like a rush, right, like a drug rush. Mm. I don't know. And from that point on, it was that was quite early in that year, um, and from then I I just I just kept going with it, not really worrying too much, just doing mm. it on the side, and then every day, you know, I had to I had to leave my place, go to uni, go to somewhere else. And on the way, I always looked and, oh, look, that looks interesting. And I kept taking pictures, uh, taking photos um, of all these places that, you know, spoke to me. 
And at some point I realized, well, this, this is getting out of hand. <laughs> like I was just going outside, just looking everywhere. It's like, oh, this looks interesting. And this is looking interesting. Just focusing on the light and what looks cool. And I don't know, just having fun, I guess. And well, pretty much, but um, I, I ended up doing, um, it wasn't a whole year, but I doing like two, uh, project 256. 50. Mm -hmm. How many days have a year? Uh, 365. I always guess that mess up. So I did one of those. <laughs> like It's a typical project you do as a photographer, which is taking or publishing one picture per day. Oh. And I did that for, for um, almost a year. And um, that kind of got me into photography and, it, you know, getting really interested and excited about it. And well, in the end, at the end of that year, I just had to ask myself, okay, does this make sense? Is this serious? Do I want to pursue photography now for some reason? Um, and pretty much the question, the important question I ask myself to find that out is, well, what do I want to spend the rest of my life doing? What do I want to work at once mm -hmm. I finish the degree? And that's something I tell people is like, don't get stuck doing a job that you're not happy with. I saw my dad do that and how miserable he yeah. was coming home to, every day from work, a job he didn't like. And it was not a good thing. So I've always you know, been big on that. So for you, you were saying how that was an important part of your decision. Mm -hmm. ha, do you have any regrets? Do you think you made the right decision? Um, go talk a little bit about that, please. Mm, sure. Um, well, so yeah, I think really the hardest part was making that decision. Um, and well, the first step was, you know, accepting that that's the path I want to take. Um, I was pretty much changing completely the direction of where I was headed to um, from, you know, sciences to arts. And um, once I realized that for myself, uh, it was actually quite easy to, to accept that. And, um, but there were also all the criteria that um, made it um, tough, which is, you know, actually telling your parents and them being okay with it. And uh, I don't know, just informing your whole social life <laughs> about that and them being cool with it. I mean, they don't have to, but it's better if they are. Uh, makes you feel better for sure and well eventually i did the decision i was lucky enough that my parents um well supported me in my decision eventually and um up until today um i 100 do not regret that decision so uh, i'm very very happy i did it and i'm thankful for every day since then that I am working towards, um, well, a better way or a better, a way that suits me better. Yeah. So, um, I can see where um, people might think that there might be some, some degree of regret. Um, and at some point there was, as I wasn't sure if that's going to work out, if I was going to find a job within the industry or, you know, make a living out of it. Mm, and yeah, there are some points where like uh, <laughs> the struggle is there and it's real. 
Um, but I don't know. For me, it was like if if I don't give up, I eventually will manage. That was that was my belief. Like hold on, and it ended up being like that. So I do not regret it. That's awesome because I think it is. It can be incredibly scary because. You know, if you got a traditional job, if you got a degree in a traditional thing and had a regular job, nine to five, you know, you're not really relying on yourself so much. It's still you having to go to do the work or whatever. But yeah. being an artist, like it's up to you to do the work, to be successful, to do the marketing and everything else. So, um, yeah, it, it definitely I think it takes a, it takes a strong person to make that decision. Yeah, but it makes you strong as well, like. I don't know. It's it. I feel like, yeah. But I know. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Like you gotta quite believe in yourself to make that move. Now, what do you have? Any other forms of creativity, or is is photography where you mainly express yourself, express the artistic side of yourself? Well, okay. So. Um, Maybe we can uh, start with the word creativity itself and what that actually stands for. Mm -hmm. um, and well, with my podcast itself, I kind of started um, or I made, I, make, I made my whole project around that word or uh, around that idea. And frankly, I still don't really know what it is. I think it feels to me like it has its own meaning for everyone in particular. So there's no one definition of it. And I tend to see it as um, a very, a very, very wide um, way of um, understanding that word. In a sense of, I see creativity pretty much in everything we do that um, allows us to grow. Mm -hmm. It can be, obviously, like everyone, when you talk about creativity, thinks about art, about painting, and photography, and um, whatever, you know, is a very classical way of seeing that, which I completely um, would put into that group as well but um i go way beyond that and i see creativity also in problem solving in working on yourself on um, your own personality on uh, learning new skills all of that is you know a different legs of that term right mm -hmm. so basically that's one of the reasons i started the podcast and it's basically Mm, getting the idea out there and sh maybe like sharing that with other people like i have on my show people uh from all over the place i have photographers on my show but i also have bankers on my show or people in finance or um, people that do meditation or yoga so it's 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 a very broad way of saying it mm -hmm. like that now what have you what have you gained from having these different people on your podcast like have you gained any knowledge from them like what what are some of the big things that you've gotten from interviewing these different people 
Well, that's a good question. <laughs> um, in a way, it's it's like I say, okay, I know creativity is so much, but I have not reached. I still don't see all of those spots, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that other people might represent. So what I do appreciate or do have learned is all these different ways of uh, understanding creativity, even though they might not call it like that, mm -hmm. right? They might not call it creativity when they do their daily job and, you know, um, do their best at it, but it it kind of adds more uh, significance to this term to me. For example, I had um, la uh, last week I had a guest on my show, and she uh, like Cornelia Tillen, and she's an assistant, and she has to she deals a lot with organization skills, and um, it's it's um, it goes around those kind of blocks and she saw creativity in a way of like I asked her I asked her um, what uh, is does creativity mean to her and for her it was staying out of um, being too repetitive or getting out of a very um, reoccurring pattern in your life like if you do something every single day and you um don't have a lot of variety on, on your daily plan or your weekly plan for her creativity is getting out of there and doing something new every so often mm -hmm. which um, for her is 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 uh, a trigger to be uh, to be happy and to stay excited mm -hmm. so that was something i did not um well see in that way right so that gave me a new perspective um, with you, for example, when I had uh, uh, the chance to talk with you on, on my show, um, it was a way of expressing yourself through writing, right? Mm -hmm. Or on top, you did so much uh, research on uh, things that you feared or mattered so much to you. Mm -hmm. So that's another way of, of perceiving that. So... Mm, what I've learned the most throughout my different episodes with all my guests that are on my show is mainly that it's seeing how everyone um, well goes through life on their very particular way and finds joy and growth in, on, in their own style. That's awesome. Um, one of the things, another thing related that I was wondering. Um, you talked earlier about obstacles. When when you were talking with me, we were talking about some of the obstacles I had. Um, what do you think are, 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 do you hear any things over and over uh, with people, like something that's stopping them from being creative, something that they had to overcome in order to uh, express themselves? Like, I think, you know, self-doubt is something that comes to mind. Mm. Um, yeah. I didn't know if there's something that you hear pretty often. Mm. yeah i mean it, it like i kind of think about that now as well which is self-doubt maybe i can um reformulate it as 
as fear in a, mm -hmm. in a very um, like in a very broad term which you know includes all that and it's um, it's it's fear uh, out of insecurity and out of uh, lack of knowledge mm -hmm. so oftentimes we don't know what we want to do so that that's kind of the first step and it took me years to find something let's call it the podcast i'm doing um it took me so long to find that something i can be passionate about something i can uh really feel proud and happy doing but still um uh something that still makes sense and it's sensible and um works with my way of doing things and thinking and I, I, i've tried diff many different things like a youtube channel for tutorials or stuff like that i've tried different things um that all ended up not working out because i don't know it didn't they didn't feel right mm -hmm. so i feel like most people already um well struggle or uh fail there in order like in a way of finding something they really want to do or really works with them right and once you actually find that i feel like the 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 hill is is so much easier to overcome like once mm -hmm. you actually find that you will somehow manage to um accomplish that um that's kind of what I feel like is often the problem. I don't know. Yeah, but on top of that, it always um, adds up when you don't know how to do something specific mm -hmm. and that makes you scared about it, right? You don't want to make you know, dumb decisions or bad decisions that have a bad impact in your life. Yeah, no, I, I think you nailed it too. I think I think fear is a great term for what holds so many of us back, you know, whether it's making a change in your daily routine or if it's trying a new career or whatever it is. I think fear is a, a big one, especially fear of the unknown, fear of failure, fear of whatever. Uh, yeah, I think also fear big. of what people might think of you if you do it. If yeah. it's something um, that is, you know, to be publicly displayed, right? Have you had a hard time, because uh, this is something that's, I mean, I think to be an artist, you have to have very thick skin, because uh, there's going to be people that hate your work, there's going to be people that love your work. Um, yeah. Have you had a difficult time with that? Uh, you know, because I always tell myself, well, my how someone takes my work doesn't change my self-value, self-worth. But it is still upsetting when you get someone that doesn't like your stuff. So how do you deal with that? Have you kind of just, yeah, how, how, how do you deal with that? Mm. Mm, that's, another, <laughs> that's another very good question. Um, I have thought about this. And mm. um, I must say, I've been lucky enough to have uh, been exposed to very, very little to no um um like hate mm -hmm. in sense. or um just people that dislike my work um even though i've been you know everything i've been doing i've been showing it on you know instagram and youtube 
Um, so um, I, I haven't had the chance to actually, you know, get that uh, bad <laughs> feeling about like, oh, why they hate me so much. Mm, I think that's something if I happen to come across with it, will struggle with mm -hmm. at some point if it's a lot. Um, but eventually, like, no one, like, uh, how do I say this in English? Um, no one grows up with a thick skin. Like, you always need right. it, right? So eventually, you will um, deal with it um how it's the most beneficial to you like i always say oh i was have thought that um like negative feedback is still important like you shouldn't ignore it mm -hmm. completely like it's still people that watch your content or see what you sure. do right they're still there and have and have looked at it and have thought about it mm -hmm. so Mm, it's it's finding um, a healthy balance between actually acknowledging it, but at the same time not taking it too serious. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I think that's a great approach. Um, now, with your photography, uh, do you have? Is there anything specific that you're passionate about? Like, do you have any projects in mind that you want to do? I'm, I'm working with a good friend out here in Rhode Island who's doing father photos. So it's all of, you know, uh, fathers and their sons and their dads. And it's amazing. It's going to be beautiful. We're going to put out a, uh, a publish the coffee table book next year. Uh, I was glad to be part of it, you know, but and I was just talking with him. So that's one of his passions. And he also likes to do central work. But then he also has a thing he loves doing faces. So those are like his three things. Like, like what are you passionate about? Do you have you? Do you think you know yet what you really like to photograph? Do you have any big plans? Like, what what do you want to do with photography? Mm. So, um, so I know that I'm very passionate about portraiture. It's basically mainly what I do and what I have done um, in all kind of forms like I've done studio portraiture I've done outside um, you know daylight I've done festivals music festivals I've pubs and clubs and you know all these different forms I've done weddings as well mm. and I've, I've tried out you know architectural and uh, still life and whatnot but eventually, you know, I quickly realized that I, I'm quite into portraiture and I really enjoy it. And I feel like I'm sort of good at it as well. Um, during my my degree time, student time. And now, sadly enough, when in a way I've, I've put or combined with my podcast everything I love, mm -hmm. <laughs> pretty much. Because I still do portraits when they are here in person of my guests and um, use them as thumbnails. For example, you know, that's that's way, one way I use uh, my portrait skills. Mm -hmm. The thing is, within the field of photography itself as a pure art, currently I'm not having um, any project going on right now mm -hmm. as I'm investing so much time and effort into the podcast and on my uh, full-time job mm -hmm. 
So there isn't too much time left for much more, to be honest. So um, currently, my, my main focus is the podcast as it combines, you know, photography, it combines audio treatment, it combines video and um, social media and marketing, all those different key aspects. So, yeah, I don't know. It might change in the future. Uh, I might, you know, uh, start doing some side projects um, in whatever field of photography, of uh, portraiture I, I might want to get into. But currently, I'm quite focused on the podcast, to be honest. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I uh, One thing that was super cool about meeting you, we happen to be talking about my Try Not to Die series. You mentioned your brother was an author. Yeah. Uh, you know, and just kind of starting out or whatever. But uh, it, I was looking for someone from Germany who could be an author I could write with. And we just had an amazing talk. Uh this past weekend. I loved his ideas. I think it's going to be incredible. Um, so yeah, so that book's going to happen. So thanks to you, uh, I'll be co-authoring a book with your brother. So uh, wow, yeah. I, that's so good to hear. Like I told him right away, like, hey, uh, there's this guy from the US. <laughs> yeah, it, se it seems a little unreal how quickly it can happen and, uh, and everything else. But it's because uh, he's passionate about it. Uh, you know, talking with him, I could, I could feel his passion, how much he already thought about it. It's going to be a really good book, going to be a really good idea. It's going to hit well with the German market. And then I think anyone that's in the US is going to enjoy it, too. Um, so that's cool. That was uh, so thank you for for hooking us up. I, yeah, I'm no. No, not worth mentioning for sure. Very cool. you, actually. <laughs> awesome, man. No, I, I think I think it's awesome. And anytime I can help someone else bring something out, like that's cool. That's that that that's fun for me. And being able to jump into someone else's mind, you know, go into his mm -hmm. brain because I I couldn't write the book. There's no way I could write the book that he's going to write. You know, I know nothing about Germany. I know nothing about these creatures. I don't. And just tapping into the way that he thinks. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's fun. It's fun having a chance to dive into someone else's mind, kind of. Uh, yeah, that's so much fun, right? I don't know, yeah. like uh, having a peek at yeah. the way someone else thinks. That's something I'm really interested in as well. And you know what? I think that's one of the things that would draw me to photography too, because you get to see people in a different light. And I mean, if they're just sitting there, maybe that's different, but taking pictures of people that are just living their life or, you know, very candid photos, I think that's pretty amazing because, yeah, it's mm -hmm. like a, a little peek into their life, into their personality and um, yeah, just exploring other people. Uh, I think that's I think that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to photography, oftentimes um, I tend to ask people like, are you producing this for yourself, for the model or for a third person that actually sees the image or the print? Mm -hmm. Because the approach is very different comparing, oh, depending on who that's for. Right. That's true. Do you have a hard time getting people to relax? Let's say, let's say someone wanted to be them, you know, just show who they really are. Um, do you find, does it take some work on your end to make someone comfortable, to make someone, you know, be able to be themselves? So far... Um, I had I had a few interviews with people I haven't met personally, um, like with you, for example, because most mm -hmm. most guests on my show so far have, have, have sorry have be, has been people I've met personally or friends of mine. So I 
kind of had already a sort of a connection with them. Mm -hmm. So still with most people, even though I have not talked with them in person or through the screen before, I generally don't have quite a hard time connecting mm -hmm. or, or actually or get like um, a healthy conversation going on. But I feel like that's maybe just me. Um, yeah. I tend to have a very, you know, relaxed way of talking with people. I don't, I'm not too shy. Mm -hmm. And um, that's a skill I've uh, developed over time through public speaking and, you know, getting a lot of, a lot out of my comfort zone. Um, but still, like, it's, it's a skill I'm still developing. And every, that's something that the, in the podcast um, provides me a lot with, which is experience and ease um, when it comes to speaking with um, new people. And I really like that. I love that. I love communication. And it's, it's quite a very difficult skill to develop. I feel mm -hmm. like it has taken me forever <laughs> to get decent at it. Um, and, but there are so many great videos and like on YouTube to not go too far where they explain you so much and give you so many great tips on how to have a nice and cool conversation or how to direct the interview, what you can mm -hmm. focus on how to ask questions, how to, what to do when this and this happens. I don't know. There's so much you can just learn by watching and browsing. I don't know. It's, it's something you can, you can practice a lot and eventually it, it, it kind of gets second nature to you. That's awesome. I'm glad you, you phrased it like that because I think a lot of people, including myself, may not see it as a skill that you need to work on to develop if you want to be that way. I think a lot of people will say, oh, I'm not that way. You know, I, I wasn't born that way. I, I'm not okay. that way. I, I can't do that. You know, I, I'm just shy. I'm I'm an introvert. You know, we have excuses, but it's like, no, yeah. if you do want to get good at it, something, you can get good at it. And yeah, acquiring a skill, I think that's a that's an awesome way to, to think about it. And it, that's true. That That is what it is. Uh, so Definitely. That's like if if you say like oh i'm not like that as you said it's already an excuse um obviously everyone has the different degrees of um difficulty on mm -hmm. learning that right we we all have tendencies to be quicker on, on it or not but uh, i once heard this uh, like a quote sadly i don't remember from who it was it was like communication might be the single most important skill to develop in life. Yeah, yeah, to be able to to be able to talk to another person that that's huge. Uh, whether it's your wife, a friend, a boss, anybody. Uh, exactly. So some someone across the world in Germany. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> no. Very cool, man. So one of the things I'm hoping, uh, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that in October, I will be able to be out there at uh, Frankfurt. Uh, I don't know how the, the pandemic's going to be and all that, but if, if everything goes smoothly, I'll be out there, be able to enjoy the country a little bit, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to meet up. Uh, so yeah, man, I, I think that'll be cool. And by then, I'll be 
the book with your brother will be right along the way. And so it's going to be good, good stuff come out out of this. Um, now, for people that want to check out, do you have a separate site for website for your photography? And also, uh, where can people check out the podcast? Mm -hmm. So the podcast is called The Creative Cast, um, creative without an E in the end. And um, you can check out both things, like the podcast and my photography work on my websites called uh, lucashomanphotography.com. Okay. So it's basically just name, surname, photography. And there's a section within it with uh, the podcast itself as well. And yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. You can check them out, you know, Spotify, and iTunes and Google Podcast. Awesome. And are you most active on Instagram? Is that where yeah, yeah. a good people follow much. you? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So and just find me on Lucas Holman and pretty much will pop up. <laughs> awesome man well dude I, I appreciate you doing this we've had we we went through a lot to record this uh and i, I appreciate that we've had internet connections and then the time difference and everything else but we got it done that's awesome uh super excited about it so thanks again for being on man i i appreciate it and uh yeah we'll, we'll talk soon dude thank you so much and yes we have been it has been quite the struggle but look we we set we set an example on how how if you really want it that you can achieve it even though you know we have all these different problems that you know makes it harder but we managed yeah yeah the old the old me would have been i would have given up i would have said oh it's not going to work i wouldn't even have risked it because i would have thought well the time difference and it's not going to work and so i never even would have gone out there so i appreciate yeah. this thanks again man i hope you have an incredible day and then hopefully i will see you in october yeah I appreciate it, man. See you soon. Twenty six pills, January twenty first, two thousand fifty nine. Stephen was half asleep as he carried his baby boy into the kitchen, his slippers dragging over the tile. He pulled his child against his robe and shushed him. Come on, buddy, Stephen whispered. Not now, dude. It's too early. Maddie whimpered, but got quiet when Stephen took the bottle from the fridge. Here you go, little man. Stephen headed into the living room. The soft, electronic chirp of a cricket came from the black screen. He eased into the recliner and said, Beach. The screen flashed to a sunny day, gentle waves lapping at the shore deep blue skies above. Maddie snuggled into Stephen's chest, closed his eyes as he sucked on the bottle. This was their time, the few moments before work with his boy. Stephen worked seven days a week to pay the mortgage on the house, but he needed to work eight to hold on to it, especially now that he'd been stuck with his dad's legal fees. The man had been dead over a year, but the bills kept coming in. Stephen eased his head back and closed his eyes. The lull of the ocean and Maddie's soft breaths let Stephen drift into the memory of when Laura lay and his moved into the house. They drank wine on the floor and slept under a pile of winter coats. 
Lorelei said this would be the place they'd one day lie. Tap. Stephen snapped awake. The baby bottle plopped onto his lap. He turned to the window expecting he'd see the controllers. It was a bird, a kind he hadn't seen since he was a child. Nothing but crows dared the skies of San Angeles. Matty yawned, his eyes blinking to focus. Stephen set the empty bottle on the carpet and eased his son towards the window. Look, Matty, it's a blue jay. The jay picked up a nut from the ledge and cracked it on its beak. Stephen checked for Matty's reaction, but the boy was back asleep. The bird hopped off the ledge and flew towards the dying tree out front. The clock said he still had 40 minutes before he had to leave for work. He thought of going back to sleep, but decided to show Maddie the bird, that their neighborhood wasn't all death and gloom. Stephen set Maddie in the bassinet, listened to the house for a few seconds, nothing but the lapping waves. He headed into the kitchen, reached on top the fridge and brought down a small pill bottle, shook out the contents. Only four coral mine pills left. There had been thirty when he bought them five days ago. The pills were free to every blocker. They increased productivity. Lorelei refused to have them in her house, said they caused too much stress and anxiety. The tab dissolved on his tongue, the effect immediate, everything clearer in a rush. Not crystal, but so much better than the fog Stephen stumbled around in. He stepped over to the laundry and took off his robe, changed into the black shirt and pants, scuffed up leather shoes. The pill bottle went into a suit jacket he left hanging by the door. Stephen swigged some stale coffee, grabbed a tiny filtration mask, kissed Maddie's forehead, slid the mask over his fine red hair. Maddie smiled through the plastic visor and opened his deep blue eyes. The left was a little lazy just like Stephen's father's, the man responsible for Maddie even being here. Stephen started to stand but was jerked back down, Maddie's hand clutching his tie. You're getting strong, buddy. He peeled off Maddie's chubby fingers and gave him another kiss. Stephen wrapped the brown blanket under Maddie and said, Come on, I got a surprise for you. The moment Stephen stepped outside, he felt like a new man. He ignored the yard of dirt and dead leaves, once a garden before the block was erected and cut off, all but a sliver of sun. The block's glimmering black wall was all there, was to the east. It drew everyone in and never let them leave. We're all moths. Stephen reminded himself he'd come here to show Maddie something delicate and good. He walked Maddie into the yard, noticed the tree was empty. He checked the cables for the J, ignoring their buzzing of foot-long saucers peppering the sky. The bird wasn't up there either. There were no bushes to hide in for miles. Stephen, still looking up, kicked something, fell forward. He caught his balance. Maddie squirmed out of the blanket. Oh, God, Stephen said. He tripped over the bird, lying flat, its left side a diseased mass. Stephen nudged it toward the trash incinerator. He'd throw it in later with gloves. Right now, Maddie deserved a walk. The neighborhood was relatively safe, especially this early. 
Stephen took the usual path, the one Lorelei used to walk to work, back when she'd leave the house. Maddie kept his eyes on his father, uninterested in the decaying trees. Stephen searched for words of wisdom, something about appreciating everything around you. He tried to remember all the things his dad had told him. The man had risked everything to help them and died because of it. The burned-out remains of the clinic were at the end of the street. The controllers had torched the place after Stephen's father had been charged with sterilization tampering. Stephen had spent so much of his life in that building. It's where he met Lorelei ten years ago. The cute little tech who would smile but hardly talk. His dad had trusted her with everything, loved her as his own. That's why he'd performed the surgery. She desperately wanted a child. Maddie was the final gift Stephen's father would ever give. Six days after he was born, the clinic was raided and everyone arrested. Lorelei's name popped up in the files. The controllers scanned her, knew she'd been sterilized and had been reversed. They gave Lorelei ten seconds to make a choice, testify or have Maddie taken away. Lorelei told them everything. Stephen's father was executed the following week. Stephen Cooper, a deep voice boomed, returned to the sidewalk. It came from a metal speaker in the light post. Manny burst into tears and Stephen leapt back onto the sidewalk. He didn't even realize he'd wandered off the curb. The pills usually kept him completely focused. He wanted to shout that there weren't any vehicles out, that it was safe but it'd only make things worse. The speaker on the light post said, Jaywalking violation. Automatic withdrawal of $452. Of course, Stephen muttered. He calmed Maddie down and crossed at the corner, tried to stay upbeat. He hummed a song his father used to sing to him. They turned back onto their street. A woman paced their yard. Lorelei, her eyes popped and she sprinted at them her rope flapping behind her. Lorelei pointed at their house. Get inside, Maddie cried. Lower your voice, Stephen said. She leapt for Maddie, her fingernails digging into Stephen's forearm. Now! Stephen shielded Maddie with his back. What is wrong with you? I could have dropped him. Why the hell are you out there? You promised. There was always someone listening, even outdoors. Stephen yelled, We were on a walk. Where do you think I'm going? Lorelei forced him towards the porch. We said no going outside. We agreed. It's not going to kill him. She took Maddie. It's okay, baby. Stephen said, you need to calm down. You're scaring him. Lorelei took a deep breath and blew it out. You promised you would never do this. He's my son, Lorelei. Then act like it. Protect him. You need to stop getting so hysterical and paranoid. Stephen's hand was shaking. He felt sweat beads on his neck, even though it was chilly. Lorelei stomped her foot. I'm not paranoid. This is our child. Look at you, Lorelei said. You're jittering. You're on those goddamn pills, aren't you? Stephen clenched his fist. Of course I'm not. Don't turn this on me. Lorelei shook her head in disgust. Entered the house. Stephen started to follow, but she slammed the door in his face. Stephen grabbed the knob, almost threw open the door, but stopped. 
he could hit the baby. He backed off the porch, his heart thumping so hard he felt it in his head. Still had another twenty minutes before he had to leave for work. He closed his eyes, breathed. Lorelei would be upstairs in a few minutes, and he'd be able to get his stuff and go. The diseased bird was still by the incinerator. He walked over to the garage, scanned his palm, and it opened. He grabbed a pair of work gloves and a lead mesh bag. The gloves were snuggier than usual. Stephen walked back to the incinerator and squatted down next to the bird, its healthy side up. When he was a boy, he used to see blue jays like this all the time behind the clinic, back before the skies turned to ash. The news said it was due to meteor shower colliding with the moon. Particles drifted into our atmosphere. That's what the newscaster says. But everyone knew it was the factories outside Zone 45. Black gunk poured out of the stacks night and day for over a year until they built the iron walls to hide the truth. Forced everyone to move down into the valley so they couldn't see what was being pumped into the sky. A distant boom reverberated throughout the streets. A rumble shook the ground. Stephen nearly fell onto the bird. He turned and saw flickering orange lights coming from the block. He shielded his eyes, squinted, saw the black solar panels he had blown out about halfway up the massive wall. Fires inside. Sirens blared, and Stephen covered his ears, the rough fabric of the gloves dragging across his skin. Residents, return to your homes immediately, the speaker on the light post announced. This is not a drill. All residents return to your homes immediately. Stephen stood and saw something racing out of the block. A motorcycle kicking up dust. It drew closer. Sparks flashed around the bike. A controller on top of the block was shooting. Stephen found himself walking toward the bike barreling over the hill and down his street. A bullet pierced the black tire. The rider launched over the handlebars and slid across the pavement the mangled bike following, finally crashing into a parked car. The rider tried to roll over but fell back. Stephen ran into the street. The speaker on the light post said his name. Jaywalking violation, automatic withdrawal of $452. Stephen knelt by the rider, saw his own reflection in the mirrored visor. Just lie still, but the rider wasn't staying put. They're coming! A young woman said, Just relax. They're going to kill us all. Okay, just lie back. You could be bleeding inside. Stephen looked around. Didn't see any blood on the street or around her body. Resident Stephen Cooper, step away from the fugitive, the speaker commanded. Please help me, the young woman said. It's okay. You're going to be okay. This is your second warning, the speaker said. Step away from the fugitive. Stephen looked back towards the block, saw three controller vehicles zooming out of the gates. Take me inside, the young woman said. You can leave me here. The controllers were closing in. Stephen scooped her up and carried her into his yard. Resident Stephen Cooper, you are in direct violation of security command. It'll be all right, it'll be all right, Stephen repeated. Lorelei threw open the door. What are you doing? What the hell is this? Get out of the way! Stephen pushed past Lorelei and set the young woman onto the couch. Residents, 
A known fugitive is being harbored at home 1312. Stephen, get her out of here now! The rider pulled off her helmet. She couldn't have been a day over 16. Thank you. What happened to you? Why are you running? Stephen asked. Who cares? Get her out of here, Lorelei said. We were just protesting the new ordinance when the controllers opened fire. They shot Timmy in the head. They just shot him. We weren't even doing anything. We just had some signs. We were singing a song, and they just killed him. This is your final warning, the speaker said. Stephen swiped hair from the teenager's eyes. What's your name? Kate. Her jaw clenched as she shook her head back and forth through the tears. I'm so sorry I couldn't help him. There's nothing to be sorry for. Everything's going to be okay. Sirens grew louder. The controllers had arrived. Maddie cried from upstairs. Lorelei must have put him in his crib. Oh, God, they're coming, Kate said. Yes, and you have to go. Lorelei gripped Kate's arm, yanked her. Something popped in Kate's shoulder. She screamed. God damn it, let her go, Stephen said. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Lorelei said. She stumbled back towards the front door. Residents, you have ten seconds to send out the fugitive, or we will use force. A controller said through a megaphone. Tell them exactly what happened, Stephen said. You can't send me out there. You can't, Kate said. No one's going anywhere, he said. Just tell me what happened. We were just singing and people started gathering around. A family joined us. Lorelei threw open the front door, her arms raised. This isn't what you think. She forced her way in. Please help us. Get down on the ground, a controller yelled. They're going to kill me, aren't they? Kate said. She was trembling. Her eyes locked on the window. A buzzing grew louder. A steel saucer hovered near the dead tree. Two metal flaps opened underneath the saucer. A tiny missile. Lorelei, get away from the door, Stephen yelled. Oh, God, no, Kate cried. Stephen stood, ran for his wife who was refusing to get down. Just take her, Lorelei screamed. Stephen was only three feet away when he heard the whoosh of a missile cutting through the air. A blinding light filled the room as it rocketed inside their home. Lorelei's head splattered into a thousand flecks. The ringing in his ears forced him to his knees. He looked down, saw the severed white bone of what used to be his left arm. He tried to turn back to Kate, but stopped at the window. Another missile. Another whoosh, a flash. Then, nothing at all. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.